verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Verse 8, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Lord, this is your word. We pray that you would speak to us. You would help us to understand what you want us to understand. Lord, your word is powerful. And God, we pray that you would use your word to shape our lives, to mold our lives, to transform us from the inside out. Lord, may you be glorified through your word this morning. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I heard the story about Jim, who was leaving church after Christmas service, one of the Christmas services, when the pastor greeted him and said, Jim, it's time you join the army of the Lord. We need to see you every Sunday. To which Jim replied, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. Then why do we only see you on Christmas and Easter? Jim looked to the right and to the left, and then leaned over and whispered, I'm in the secret service. (laughs) See, some of us, uh, hopefully none of us, but some of us still have our eyes closed. Our our, our spiritual eyes are closed to the truth that is found in God's word. And, And so the gospel ultimately comes, becomes a secret to us. Those who have not put their faith in Christ, who have, who have trusted in him, do not have the spirit of God residing in them. And without the spirit of God in you, there's no way you'll understand the gospel. Like Paul says, it's a secret. It's hidden. It's hidden wisdom. And we'll get into that in a minute. But our first point this morning is maturity begins in Christ. Uh, Verse 6, Paul says, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Paul uses this word uh, mature, which ultimately means perfect or complete. Uh, Those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, who have trusted in him, those are the mature ones. Now, some of you may be thinking about a believer this morning and you're like, they're not so mature. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, but any of us who have, who have accepted Christ as Lord, maturity has begun. The mature are those who recognize that true wisdom comes from the gospel of Christ. 
Uh, do you remember uh, the story, uh, obviously the Christmas story, when Jesus was born? One guy in particular sought to kill all of the babies. you remember his name? King Herod. He was a wicked king. He was a wicked ruler. Even to his own family, he mistreated his own family. He had such an insecurity when it came to his kingship that he didn't want this Jesus who was about to come on the scene to jeopardize his throne, so to speak. And so he made it his aim. He says, we need to murder, sound familiar? Murder all babies under two. See, murdering babies, as Herod was king, it was running rampant. You you can imagine the blood-curdling screams as parents watched their their two-year-olds and younger be murdered because of this wicked King Herod. See, in Jesus' day, murdering of babies was running rampant. And in our day, it's not much different. Although it may have looked a little bit different then, uh, it is still murdering a baby. Murdering babies was a tool the enemy was using to try and, cr- to, to try and crush the Savior. Matthew 2.16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old and under. But do you remember the promise that we read in Genesis? After Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, the serpent obviously tempting them and luring them into eating of this forbidden fruit, God has a conversation with the serpent. And the conversation is, is, You're going to crawl on your belly for the rest of your life. But he also makes a promise, and it's in Genesis 3.15, where he is talking about Eve's offspring. Jesus Christ, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Ultimately signifying that there was coming a king who would destroy Satan. And Satan today knows it. He doesn't stand a chance against the king of kings. He doesn't stand a chance against Jesus. Here's the truth. Nothing was going to stop God from sending Jesus to save you. Nothing. Amen? Amen. Not even a wicked king like King Herod. Not even a frustrated, furious, wicked king could stop the king of kings from being born. King Herod, like Paul says, was one of these rulers of the age who was wise in his own eyes. Yet he was far from being mature. He had not accepted Jesus as the Messiah. Uh, The reason for uh, the attempt to murder baby Jesus was because Herod uh, was, like I said, afraid that he would be dismantled from his throne. Uh, Herod had a power trip. He, he, He had such a power trip that he even killed his own family members so they wouldn't take his throne. Uh, This king was wicked. He had great insecurities to his kingship. And ultimately, King Herod, in his wisdom, would be doomed to pass away. But listen, if he would have looked at things differently, if he would have understood the prophecies that were to be fulfilled through Jesus, he would have had a different wisdom. And it was, would be the wisdom of the Lord, and the wisdom of the Lord lasts forever. The wisdom of this world, like Paul says, is doomed to pass away. Here's the application. We'll find maturity from the Lord as we spend time in his word, as we seek him in all we do, 
as we are in constant prayer, asking God for guidance and his wisdom, that's when we begin to see maturity come forth from us, is when we spend time with the Lord. Dr. Tony Evans tells a, a story. He says, one year at Christmas time, my wife wanted some wrapped boxes to use for decoration. She took eight empty boxes and had them wrapped to use as a decoration at our front door. Those boxes sat in front of our house, impeccably wrapped, topped with bows, but empty. I didn't worry about a thief coming and stealing any of the wrapped boxes in the front of our house. There wasn't anything in them. He says, a lot of folks are well wrapped, but there's nothing going on inside. Yeah. (laughs) See, around Christmas time and Easter time, if you will, especially a lot of us will put on this good front, so to speak. We'll be wrapped on the outside. We'll come in our best Easter dresses and suits and all that type of stuff, but there's nothing going on in here. And there was nothing going on in King Herod's life as either. King Herod was, was this wicked king on the outside, and he might have been decked with the greatest uh, diadem or, or robe or whatever else, and he might have had the greatest throne, but there was nothing in here. And I wonder this morning how many of us are like King Herod. We look good on the outside. Look like we got all of our ducks in a row and everything's. But inside you're screaming. Because you're longing for something to fill you up. And you keep chasing after the things of this world. Expecting that that'll do, do it. But it only leaves you even more immature. See, Jesus isn't a fan of just changing the outside. He wants to begin a work inside. He wants to do a maturing work within us, and then the outside will reflect that inward work. Paul goes on to say in verse 7, but we impart, so he's saying, this is what we give to the people who uh, believe, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Point number two, he came in secret. Now, the first Christmas, if you will, was a secret to many people. Uh, not, not because of God's doing, but because of the individual responses uh, that came from uh, that time. They, they did not believe the prophecies. They, King Herod thought that, man, if I just wipe Jesus out, then that solves it. But God has the final say in all things. Not King Herod. King Herod, is he still alive? But is King Jesus today? Yes. Because of the response from these people, Paul calls them the natural man. The the people who are so carnally minded, who don't understand the secret and hidden wisdom of God. Uh, This is the man who is not born of the Spirit, who has not accepted Christ as Savior. But what is the secret and hidden wisdom of God? In, In simplest forms... The gospel message. What is the secret and hidden wisdom of God? The gospel message. Now the question has to be asked, was God trying to keep the coming of the Messiah secret? He wasn't like, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody that the Savior of the world is coming. We don't want to spill the beans. From the very beginning of of creation, when when Adam and Eve sinned, it was made known, Jesus is coming. And there was no secret about it. But the issue lies within how people respond to the message of the gospel. It is a mystery to the world because 
they don't believe. 2 Corinthians 4.3 explains it uh, very well. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from the people who are perishing. Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. When people choose to disbelieve in the gospel of Jesus Christ, Satan begins to lure them into the darkness. Come this way. Come step into the dark. But when a person chooses to believe, the Holy Spirit reveals to them their sin and their need for a Savior who can forgive them of that sin. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. And when we we are drawn to Christ, we begin to understand this secret and hidden wisdom of God. Our eyes literally become open to this hidden wisdom. Now, Paul in 1 Corinthians was writing to a group of people who were more worldly than spiritual. Yes, they were a church, but they were living in Corinthian, which was, uh, the best way we could put it, was like the Las Vegas of our day. Uh, Worshipping false gods, uh, prostitution running rampant. There was even a, 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 a gentleman in Uh, the Corinthian church who was sleeping around, it just became this scene where it was just absurd. And Paul is coming to these people and he was reminding them of this, that when I came to you, your eyes were closed to the truth of the gospel, but the Spirit came in and opened your eyes. You have to remember that you once had a veil over your eyes. And you and I, if we are in Christ this morning, we were there at one point too. We all had a veil over our eyes because the darkness blinded us. Satan covered our eyes from understanding the truth of the gospel. You and I were walking in darkness. But I love this promise in Isaiah 9-2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on, on them has light shone. The light is none other but Jesus. Jesus came in and he changed everything. If you're walking in the dark today, you're ultimately walking in sin. And sin, like scripture says, leads to death. And God doesn't take this lightly. He doesn't at any, uh, in any sense because he sent his son Jesus. Because sin separated us from God and Jesus came to bridge the gap. Verse 8 through 9, Paul goes on to say, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What is Paul saying? He's saying if their eyes would have been open, they would not have crucified the Lord. But it was prophesied that Jesus had to die. Jesus had to, to, to come and uh, be the uh, payment for our sins. Unfortunately, they were blinded to the truth because of the love of darkness. And so in this text, Paul is, is really loose paraphrasing, if you will. Every pastor does that. Loose paraphrase, Isaiah 64, verse 4. It's not a direct quote. It's his way of explaining it. And when we look at it, Many will take this verse as 
Oh, that's what is to come. That's what we have to look forward to when it comes to heaven. And and trust me, our minds cannot comprehend what we have to look forward to when it comes to heaven. And and heaven is is a glorious uh, destination where anybody who puts their faith in Christ will will be uh, going. But Paul isn't talking about heaven. He's not talking about just you wait and see what is in store for you in heaven. Paul is talking about the now. He's saying right now, whether you realize it or not, you have so much that has, given, has been given to you through Christ. Paul is saying you really don't know all that God has for you through Jesus. The peace of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, the love of Christ. Christ giving us purpose, redeeming us. There's much more than, than that. But Paul continues in verse 10 through 11. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Paul is saying there's a person at work in the world today, and it is the Holy Spirit. I wish we had more time to talk about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is not a force. He is not this thing that if you watch Star Wars and you become a Jedi, then you automatically get the the force, and he's not that. The Holy Spirit is the third person, person of the Trinity. He is just as much God as God the Father is. Well, the Holy Spirit is God, and sometimes we treat the Holy Spirit as if he's this distant force. But the Holy Spirit is a person at work in the world. If, if we look at Scripture, we see that Paul even encourages, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You can't grieve a force. You can grieve a person. You can cause a person to become sad, if you will, and the Holy Spirit is a person. But the Holy Spirit, which is fascinating, knows the mind of God. Because get this, he is God. <laughs> as much as God the Father is God. For, for us to know what is on someone's mind, would that be a scary thing or would that be a really good thing? I don't know if I want to know what is on everybody's mind. Uh, maybe when it comes to marriage, for husbands it would be a good thing, right? Uh, that would be great, but... No, oh, okay. <laughs> Open a can of worms on that one. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit knows the mind of God. You could be married for a dozen years or more and still not know the mind of your spouse. <laughs> but oftentimes, the only way that we can know the mind of a person is by asking, right? What's on your mind is typically what you say when you see somebody down or, or they are just got this somber look on their face. The Holy Spirit doesn't have to ask God what's on his mind. He, he doesn't have to say, you know, what, what are you thinking today, God? Like, he already knows his mind. He knows God's mind because he is God. Probably just confused a bunch of us this morning. But, but 
the Holy Spirit, we have to look, even though it was this bloody scene, if you will, with King Herod and him wanting to destroy these babies, uh, the Holy Spirit was still working. We, we see uh, angels showing up and, and giving direction and saying, hey, don't go there because King Herod is looking for you there. We see the Holy Spirit leading and prompting and guiding. And listen, the Holy Spirit hasn't stopped doing that today. He's still doing that. He's still leading. He's still guiding. But the unfortunate part is sometimes we don't even bring the Holy Spirit into our lives. God the Father, I get. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Son, I get. But this Holy Spirit, maybe we'll just tuck him over there until we really understand who he is. But listen, Jesus left. And he says that for us, speaking to his disciples actually, that it was a good thing that he were to leave. Why? Because then the Holy Spirit would come. And if you're not a believer this morning, there's only one other spirit that can fill you up, and it's not the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wants to come and reside in us, to, to make his home among us. And when you can function with the leading and guiding of the Spirit, you will glorify God. But Paul is pointing to, if we look deeper into the text, he's ultimately pointing to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. The question is, how do I receive that wisdom? How, I look at the world we're in today. How do you know how to function in this chaotic, crazy world? If you try to execute based off of the wisdom that the world supplies, you'll be walking in darkness. You won't know how to respond. You won't know how to comprehend what is going on. But, but if you function based off of the wisdom that the Holy Spirit supplies, then you begin to respond differently. You begin to react differently. But he, he, he gives us the answer of how to receive the wisdom uh, from the Holy Spirit. He says, now that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is who, who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Did it cost us anything? It was freely given. And he says, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The wisdom of the world is fleeting. And Paul is reminding this group that when they accepted Christ, the guarantee of their salvation wasn't speaking in tongues, wasn't prophesying over this person, wasn't doing this, but it was the seal of the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, started speaking in tongues? It's right there, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, Right? I think so many times we think that there's got to be an outward expression almost. Like this, this light bulb has to be floating around us in order for people to understand that we're believers. It's quite simple. How you can be distinguished among the world is with the seal of the Holy Spirit. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you accept Christ, you're no, you're no longer wanting to function based off of the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of the Spirit. So let's land this message. So Christmas has been told as a secret to those who are emptied of the Spirit of God. 
Right? Uh, this week I asked uh, some of the preschool kids as we were practicing, I asked them, what, what is Christmas all about? And I had, them, I had a few come up and some of them said toys and, and presents and, and songs and wrapping paper, it, on and on and on. And they're children and my mind was there as a kid. But for some of us, our minds are still there. Some of us still have this concept that Christmas is all about the presents under the tree. It's all about what we can give or how we can outgive this family member this year because they outgave us last year or, or, or having the best spread of food. or It's none of that. What if we stripped it all away? What if you showed up to your family Christmas without presents? Yeah. <laughs> What if you showed up in your own life just focusing on Jesus? Just making him the focal point of this Christmas season? I guarantee you it would change the way you looked at Christmas. But for those who have accepted Christ, praise God that the Spirit has opened our eyes. That we're no longer walking in darkness, but God has, uh, by His Spirit, opened our eyes to the secret and hidden wisdom of God. Ultimately, listen, Christ points us to the truth that wisdom and maturity are found in Him. Christmas is much more than a baby in a manger. Christmas is about God coming in the flesh to save the lost. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I want to close with, with this. I don't know who wrote it, but it speaks for sure. He says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure... God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Amen? Let's all stand. Remember, God sent his son as a baby to grow up as a man and to, to die for the sins of the world so we could be forgiven of our sins. And if, if you haven't accepted Christ as your savior, you're still in your sins. And Christ wants to free you from your sins this morning. He wants to forgive you of your sins this morning. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for making that promise to a weary world. God, in the world we live in today is not much different. It's groaning and complaining and tired and burnout because of all that is going on. But Lord, we know that our hope is in you. It's not in the things of this world or the, the things that money can buy or the presents that are under the tree, but God, it is in your presence that we find ultimate fulfillment. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to regain our focus on, on you. Lord, if we've looked elsewhere, trying to outdo one another with the best Christmas gift, Lord, I pray that we would stop and we would look to you 
as the reason for this season. Lord, we ask that you would lead us by your spirit and give us your wisdom, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.